This podcast is brought to you by the Reform Witness Committee of Hope Protestant Reform Church in Walker, Michigan. It is our goal to spread our distinct Protestant Reform views based on the Word of God and the Reform Confessions. We hope that this message is edifying to you. The following is a sermon preached on a Heidelberg Catechism Lord's Day. For more sermons, see our sermon audio page. Our scripture reading tonight is Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Verses 1 through 14. Galatians 3, 1 through 14. Hear the word of God. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you that ye should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth, crucified among you? This only would I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish, having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? Have ye suffered so many things in vain, if it be yet in vain? He therefore that ministereth to you the Spirit, and worketh miracles among you, doeth he it by the works of the law, or by the hearing of faith. Even as Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness, know ye therefore that they which are of faith, the same are the children of Abraham. And the Scripture foreseeing that God would justify the heathen through faith, preached before the gospel unto Abraham, saying, In thee shall all nations be blessed. So then they which be of faith are blessed with faithful Abraham. For as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is every one that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them, but that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident, for the just shall live by faith. And the law is not of faith, but the man that doeth them shall live in them. Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is every one that hangeth on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. We read that far in God's holy and inspired word. We turn now to the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 25 in the back of the Psalter. Find that on page 14. On the basis of what we read, as well as many other portions of Holy Scripture, we have the teaching of the Heidelberg Catechism in Lord's Day 25, beginning the section on the sacraments. 
Since then we are made partakers of Christ and all His benefits by faith only, whence doth this faith proceed? From the Holy Spirit, who works faith in our hearts by the preaching of the gospel and confirms it by the use of the sacraments. What are the sacraments? The sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals appointed of God for this end, that by the use thereof He may the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel, namely, that He grants us freely the remission of sin and life eternal for the sake of that one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. Are both word and sacraments then ordained and appointed for this end that they may direct our faith to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? Yes, indeed. For the Holy Spirit teaches us in the Gospel and assures us by the sacraments that the whole of our salvation depends upon that one sacrifice of Christ which He offered for us on the cross. How many sacraments has Christ instituted in the New Covenant or Testament? Two. Namely, Holy Baptism and the Holy Supper. Beloved, in the Lord Jesus Christ, I begin this evening by explaining one of the errors of the Roman Catholic Church, which is related to Lord's Day 25 and the Lord's Days Ahead that deal with the sacraments primarily. The error of the Roman Catholic Church that we must be conscious of and we must ourselves guard against is an error that is called in the Latin, ex opera operato. That is Latin for, literally, from the work performed. From the work performed. The Roman Catholic doctrine or error is that in the sacraments, and with the performing of the work of the sacraments, that is, there is grace communicated from the work performed. Most often this erroneous concept is applied to the sacrament so that when the priest does the work of breaking the bread, of dedicating the host, of distributing it, and then the people do the work of coming to church and taking the bread and eating the bread, that grace and power is conferred from the work performed. Ex opera operato. And even if the people took the bread and their hearts were not resting in Christ as was the case, many were not resting upon Jesus Christ, their physical taking of the bread, the chewing, the ingestion by the work performed was grace to them. Those who taught this error used the same term that we use today regarding the sacraments and the preaching, the means of grace. But they meant by that this error, 
of ex opera operato. And you can put yourselves for a moment in the shoes and in the pews of those members of the Roman Catholic Church, and practically speaking, you can imagine what happened in their minds, that if grace is conferred or received by the works performed, and the sacraments especially, then the people would begin to trust in the work of the priest, in the work of partaking of the sacraments, in addition to Christ or in place of Christ. Even though Christ's name was said to be exalted in that Roman Catholic institution, and the words all of grace were used, the people superstitiously began to depend on the works performed in church to receive the grace for their salvation. That error of ex opera operato is part of the entire system of works righteousness in the Roman Catholic Church that led the people to depend not only on the sacraments, but on the church institute itself. And to depend on their membership in that external institution. I bring that error up because it is not an error that we as Protestant Reformed people are immune to. There is no error that we are immune to. And as churches who emphasize the importance of the institution, rightly so, in a day and age when the institution is minimized, and as churches that emphasize the, the importance of the means of grace and, and the importance of even using the means of grace, preaching and the sacraments, we must be careful at the same time, not to fall into the error of making grace conferred or received by the works performed. That is the same error of the Roman Catholic Church. So that as people come under the preaching, now practically speaking, and people come to the sacraments, there is a sentiment sometimes that it is by our membership in the church, and it is by our partaking of the sacraments of themselves, or even by our presence, twice, in the pew at church, that that somehow is what makes us receive grace. That's a trust in the institution. That's a trust or pride in our membership. And it leads to the trust of the preacher and his work of preaching and administering the sacraments. While it is true, beloved, that in our day and age it is proper to emphasize also the necessity of using the means of grace in the church, yet let us guard against a very prevalent error of the Roman Catholic Church that grace is received by the work performed. To avoid this, it is important to understand Lord's Day 25 now as we approach this Lord's Day about the means of grace and understand it in its proper context. I remind you that Lord's Day 25 follows upon Lord's Days 23 and 24. And that is very important. Lord's Days 23 and 24, I remind you, are about the doctrine, the heart of the gospel of justification by faith alone. 
Justification, remember, is that God declares us righteous on the basis of Christ's finished work 2,000 years ago, and that alone, that He imputes, that is, He legally declares us righteous and places Christ's righteousness in our account. And we saw that it is by faith, that by faith, that we are justified means that we receive the word or the declaration of our righteousness through faith alone. And that's very important as we go forth to Lord's Day 25. Faith alone is the means or instrument of reception when we receive this declaration of righteousness. And faith alone is the instrument by which we receive all the blessings of salvation, including this righteousness declared. Thus, now, as we approach Lord's Day 25, we must make sure that what we say in Lord's Day 25 and what we understand in Lord's Day 25 does not come in any way in contradiction of what we said before in Lord's Days 23 and 24. So that while preaching and sacraments and that which takes place in the Institute Church are important and properly termed the means of grace, they are not to be confused with faith itself, the only instrument by which we receive all the blessings of salvation. Consider with me this doctrine taught in Lord's Day 25 under the theme, the means of faith, first, first the meaning, second the primary means, And then finally, the secondary means. The meaning, the primary means, and the secondary means. The main goal in this first point is to distinguish clearly for you two different concepts. And the two different concepts that we must distinguish in our minds is faith, And that which is termed the means of grace or the means of faith. They're two different things. They're related, but they must be distinguished in our minds. And this is not splitting hairs. It is an important distinction that guards from serious Roman Catholic error. Faith and the means of grace. Faith, remember, we have said, is that bond that unites us to Jesus Christ. We are grafted or engrafted into Christ as branches grafted into the living vine. And faith, we have seen, is not only a a bond, but faith is an activity of receiving, of clinging to Jesus Christ and drawing from Him all the blessings of salvation. Faith alone is the channel or the bond through which we receive every blessing of salvation. Don't mix anything else up with this. This truth of faith. Faith alone. By this faith alone, the believer receives Christ and all His benefits. And that is what the question, question 65, is making very clear. Question 65, notice is guarding us from mixing up faith with anything else. Question 65, 
Since then, we are made partakers of Christ and all his benefits by faith only. Whence doth this faith proceed? The catechism establishes in the question that we must distinguish faith from everything else. We receive the blessings of Christ and all of salvation by this instrument of faith only. When I say the blessings of salvation are received by faith alone, I mean justification. That included. On my deathbed, I said last Sunday, when I'm on my dying day, I don't seek to receive the assurance of my righteousness by looking to my works. But I simply rest in Christ alone as my righteousness. That's my comfort. That's my confidence. I receive that declaration of my righteousness through faith alone. Now what we have said about justification is also true for sanctification. And this is where I call you to listen very carefully. It is not so well known, but extremely important that we remember and understand that we receive also the blessing of sanctification, for that is part of Christ's work of salvation in us. We receive that by faith alone as well. How do I receive the power to live a holy life? How can I will and do of God's good pleasure? By faith alone. By trusting in the mercy of Jesus Christ. In Him alone who pours forth His Holy Spirit into me. To put it very concretely and practically, tomorrow when you, out of thankfulness, want to improve, you want to live a, a more holy life you want to more ably fight against your besetting sins, beloved. You are not to think, I must do something first before I can improve. But I must rest in Jesus. Rest in His finished work. Understand again my justification in Him. And lean on Him for the very power and strength and the will and the doing of any good work ahead. Sanctification, the power and the will to live a holy life is received through faith alone. Through faith alone, this bond, this trust in Jesus. This is Paul's point, and this is why I read Galatians 3, 1 and following, especially. Paul speaks to the Galatians. Remember, I remind you from last week, the Galatians who had been deceived, tricked by the Judaizers. He says to the Galatians in Galatians 3, 1 and following, O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you? Who has tricked you? That you should not obey the truth before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath evidently been set forth, crucified among you. There's something foolish going on, Paul says. You've been tricked to think a certain way, which has led you away from the truth. And Paul gets to one of the points that they misunderstand, do not understand properly. In the next verse, this only would I learn of you. 
That's Paul's way of saying, I have one question for you. Received ye the Spirit. And that's the Spirit of sanctification. The Holy Spirit. Did you receive the Spirit by the works of the law? Did you do something and then receive the Spirit to be holy? And that's a rhetorical question. You know better, Galatians. No! Are you so foolish? He continues in verse 3. Having begun in the Spirit, are you now made perfect by the flesh? If at first you receive the Spirit of sanctification by faith only, by faith alone. Do you imagine that progress in the life of sanctification is by your works? No, again, is the understood answer. That's foolish. That is to go along with the bewitching of the Judaizers. You see how sharp Paul is on this point. All the blessings of salvation. Righteousness as well as a holy life is received by faith alone. As God's people trust, rely on Jesus Christ for all of salvation. Don't forget that. Lord's Day 25, when it begins in that question, that faith alone is how I receive all the benefits is very important. It would be foolish for us to forget that when we move on to understand in distinction from faith the means of grace. Now having guarded us with the first part of the question, the catechism proceeds to the second part of question 65. Whence or from where doth this faith proceed? So if, if faith alone in Christ alone is how I receive every blessing of salvation, sanctification as well, then where does the faith itself come from? This bond, this instrument of reception. And the answer is very clear from the Holy Spirit. From the Holy Spirit who works faith in our hearts. And pause there a moment. We'll move on. But don't move too quickly. Faith also. The lone instrument of receiving every blessing of salvation. Faith also itself is entirely a gift. The bond of faith as well as the activity of knowing and trusting Jesus Christ for all things. Faith is entirely a gift of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit sent by Christ joins us to Christ. The Holy Spirit sent by Christ works in us both to will and to act in believing also. That's the canons, Head 3 and 4, Article 15. Faith is wholly a gift. To emphasize that point and to make it concrete, it should be clear that the Holy Spirit of Jesus Christ does not need Any means to work that faith in our hearts. He does not even need preaching or the sacraments to work that faith in our hearts. If He wants to work faith in our hearts without the preaching of the Word, He is able to do it.
That's what he did for John the Baptist, isn't it? In the womb, joining an infant child like John the Baptist to God, to Christ. Working in him faith so that he could leap with joy at the sound of Mary's voice, the mother of his Lord. That it must, it must be that the Spirit works faith in joining infants who die in infancy, though they don't hear the preaching of the Word, who come to conscious faith. The Spirit is able to work that faith, that bond, even without means. However, Though the Spirit does not need to use the means of grace or the means of faith, better, better term, to work that faith in us, He chooses ordinarily to use such means. Whence does this faith proceed, the Catechism asks, from the Holy Spirit who works faith in our hearts by the preaching of the Gospel and confirms it by the use of the sacraments. When we use the word means, that word means, means tools. The Holy Spirit uses tools like the preaching and the sacraments to give faith and then to strengthen that faith. The faith by which we receive all the blessings of salvation. The primary tool which the Holy Spirit uses to work faith in our hearts is the preaching of the Gospel. That's the most important tool. tool. Someone who works in the construction industry or a carpenter, perhaps, might think of a power tool, his go-to tool, the one that he uses most often, the one that he cannot work without. God, the Holy Spirit, has a primary tool that he uses to give faith, and that he uses to strengthen faith, and that is the preaching of the gospel. You are familiar with what the preaching of the gospel is, and so I am brief here. There are three essential characteristics or descriptions of that preaching of the gospel. First, the preaching of the gospel has as its content the Scriptures, the inspired Word of God. Hebrews 4.12, the Word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit, and of the joints and marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. The Word of God is referring to the inspired Word of God. 2 Timothy 3.16 All Scripture, remember, is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine or teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be thoroughly furnished unto all good works. How does the Holy Spirit work faith, and strengthen faith. He could do so without any means, but He chooses. He has ordained to use ordinarily the preaching of the Scriptures. 
Beloved, it's quite simple what preaching is. You men who are considering perhaps the ministry and ought to more seriously. Sometimes when you think about the preaching, you might think that I have to be able to speak with eloquence or that I must be able to do this or that in the consistory room or in my study. And you might think that it requires all kinds of skills and gifts. And beloved, while there is some truth to the need of gifts for the ministry, qualifications according to 1 Timothy 3. Preaching is simply this. The reading, explaining, and applying of the inspired Word of God. The content is not some fancy talk. And the preacher must make sure that the people aren't distracted by fancy talk or stories or his personality or even his manner. They must hear the word exposited. He must be faithful to the text. That is where this word is where the authority is. It's not in the man himself, but in the word of God. Secondly, the the preaching must not only be of the inspired Scriptures, but it must have Christ and Him crucified at at its heart. 1 Corinthians 1.18, The preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved it is the power of God. The content, I said, is the Scriptures. And so included in the Scripture is going to be an expounding of the Scriptures, including the Scriptures which contain the very law of God, the requirements of God, the obligations that God sets before His people. You must obey. The preaching will include that. And not to include that will be unfaithfulness to the text, to the Scripture. But when the preaching of the law comes, and the preaching of other texts in Scripture comes, There must always be a leading of God's people to Christ and Him crucified. His finished work is that which is the basis of our salvation. The preaching is called, notice in the catechism, the preaching of the gospel. The preaching of the gospel. Because true preaching will include the gospel, which is not, the gospel is not what you must do. But the gospel is what Christ has done. The good news of His finished work for us and for our salvation. As we read in Galatians, that He was made a curse for us, for our salvation. Catechism explains the gospel in question and answer 66 this way, that He grants freely the remission of sins and life eternal. Freely, notice, 
He gives the remission or forgiveness of sins and life eternal for the sake of that one sacrifice of Christ accomplished on the cross. God's people must be led to this food, this manna, to rest in Christ alone. Thirdly, the preaching of the gospel comes through one whom Christ sends by his church. Romans 10:15 asks, How shall they preach except they be sent? And this is the example throughout the New Testament, especially, that Christ sends qualified men chosen by his church. He sends them to preach. Does the gospel, or is the gospel spoken by those who are witnessing personally? Those who are not in the office of Christ? Yes, indeed, you are supposed to, as members of the church, as Christians, as prophets in the office of every believer, also witness the gospel, and God uses that too. But when we speak of the primary means... That God by His Spirit uses to work faith in the hearts of His people. It refers to the official preaching of a man sent by Christ through His church. All God's people, therefore, who know that the primary means God uses to strengthen our faith through which we draw all the blessings of salvation from Christ. We'll attend the preaching. We'll not be bored by it. We'll repent when there is boredom. We'll want to remain in a church where there is such faithful preaching. We'll bring others who they know need to hear that preaching of the Word will not neglect the use of this means of faith. And now having described this primary means of faith, having expressed the, the high view that we should have of the preaching of the Gospel in the Church of Jesus Christ, I remind you that preaching is only a means or a tool that the Spirit uses to work faith. Question 67 is almost as important as question 65. Question 67 explains the preaching as a tool. Are both word and sacraments then ordained and appointed for this end, that they may direct our faith? to the sacrifice of Jesus Christ on the cross as the only ground of our salvation? And the answer is yes. You see what preaching is supposed to do? You see what the Holy Spirit uses the preaching for? Not for the people, beloved. Not for the people to be focused on a man. But the people to be focused on Christ. To direct their faith to Christ from whom alone you receive all the blessings of salvation through faith to Christ. 
The preaching is simply to take your eye of faith to look to Jesus. The preaching is simply to take your ear of faith to hear the voice of Jesus. The preaching is simply a tool to focus God's people on the person of Jesus Christ. And Him crucified, risen, and ascended. How awful. How wicked, really. The preacher intends to get the attention of the people. And how awful that the people focus on a personality who brings that word. I use the illustration of Scripture that was recently preached on here at Hope. You remember the trumpet. The preacher is like a trumpet. Weak of itself. A trumpet has no life of itself. A trumpet cannot make a sound of itself. It is a tool in the hands of our high priest, Jesus Christ, who by his spirit, the spirit means breath, blows through a tool that of itself is weak, to sound out the precious gospel, and then works that for the faith of His people. I'll give you another illustration from Scripture, 2 Corinthians 4, verse 7, that we, Paul speaks as a preacher, have this treasure, meaning the gospel, in earthen vessels, in earthen vessels, that the excellency of the power may be of God and not of us. The treasure of the gospel is in a preacher who is just like a clay pot made of the dust of the ground, cracked and overflowing. And you need to know that, and you need to hear that, that you might put all your trust not in the preaching or the preacher himself, but in the Christ that the preaching is supposed to direct your faith unto. I make this application It's foolish, isn't it, for a student to take a science book before the time of an exam, to take that science book that he is supposed to know and, and sleep on it, as though by osmosis the content of that, that book could flow into his brain and he can know the material for the exam. Similarly, so foolish is it for a Protestant Reform member who perhaps has lived all his life in the PR church, maybe never missed a service, come twice, and think that just because he is present hearing Protestant Reform sermons and depending on his work 
of being a member here, of being present at sermons. And that is what helps him receive the blessings of salvation. No. That's the Roman Catholic error applied to preaching of ex opera operato. Trust in Christ alone, not in your work of coming to the preaching, but then use the means that as you hear the preaching, your heart leans, not in your coming, not in the preacher, but in Christ alone, which the Word is supposed to direct your faith unto. What is true of the primary means of faith is also true of the secondary means, the sacraments. The sacraments are like the preaching in that they only direct your faith to the same Christ alone from whom you receive all the blessings of salvation. What are those sacraments? The Catechism says the sacraments are holy, visible signs and seals appointed of God for this end, that by the use thereof He may the more fully declare and seal to us the promise of the gospel. The sacraments, beloved, of baptism, the sacraments of the Lord's Supper, they do not point to a different gospel. They do not show us a different Jesus Christ. The sacraments point us or direct our faith to the same Jesus Christ and to the same gospel. They don't have a different content. They are the same word illustrated. The main difference between the preaching and the sacraments is that the preaching is audible and the sacraments are visible. The preaching teaches the gospel using the sense of hearing and the sacraments teaches the same gospel using the senses of sight, of touch, and even of taste. So that when the sacraments come upon our senses of sight and touch and taste. The heart doesn't focus on bread and wine or water coming upon a baby, but the heart focuses upon Christ's broken body and shed blood. And the heart focuses upon the blood of Christ washing away our sins and the Spirit of Christ being poured out upon us. The heart leans not upon the sacraments themselves. The heart leans not on your partaking of those sacraments. The heart leans on Christ alone from whom all blessings flow. The first difference between the preaching and the sacraments is that the preaching is audible and the sacraments are visible primarily. But the second difference between the preaching and the sacraments is that God uses the sacraments to confirm faith. With respect to the preaching, God uses the preaching to give faith even for the first time and to strengthen that faith. But for the sacraments... It must, the, word, the Word must come forth first to give faith. And the sacraments, the Spirit uses only to confirm that faith. Question or answer 65. 
the Spirit who works faith in our hearts by the preaching of the Gospel and confirms it. Confirms that faith by the use of the sacraments. A synonym of that word confirms is the word assures. The Spirit, answer 67, teaches us in the Gospel and assures us by the sacraments. And the whole of salvation depends upon that one sacrifice of Christ which He offered for us on the cross. To be clear, the sacraments themselves, the sacraments themselves have no power to assure. But the Holy Spirit assures so that while or in the way of partaking of the sacraments, He causes the confidence or the assurance of faith to be strengthened in Jesus alone. Knowing this, the believer uses the means. Carefully contemplates baptism as we saw this morning. Thinking on Christ. Trusting in His washing. In His justification. In His sanctification. The believer makes confession of faith and partakes of the Lord's Supper. Trusting in Christ. Not sacraments along with Christ, but Christ. is revealed in the Lord's Supper. I call you, beloved, this, this evening to remember faith alone is the instrument through which we receive every blessing of salvation. Faith alone and Christ alone. And I'll use the sacraments. Come to the preaching. Not trusting in the preaching and the sacraments themselves or the work performed by your coming, but in the way of using the means of faith received from Christ all the blessings of salvation. Amen. Let's pray. O God of our salvation, Make clearer and clearer to us who Jesus Christ is. Strengthen our faith in Him alone. Use the preaching and the sacraments which Thou hast graciously given to us in this church to direct our faith to Christ. That our faith in Him might grow. And if, O oh God, there has been any trusting, as we are so prone to, trusting in our works, and even our works performed in coming to church and using the sacraments, turn us, O oh God, instead to Jesus Christ so that our hearts rest in Him alone for all things. We pray this, O God, seeking the glory of Thy name, 
and seeking the glory of the name of Jesus Christ, whose name is above every name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Hope PR Ministry Podcast. We are a part of the Protestant Reformed Churches in America, and we are located in West Michigan. Our goal is to spread our distinctive Reformed beliefs. If you have any questions or feedback, please feel free to reach out to us at hoperwc at gmail.com and visit our website at hopeprchurch.org if you would like to learn more about our beliefs. You can also worship with us every Sunday at 9 a.m. and 5 p.m.